When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to another episode of the uh, Kick and Cover podcast. Uh, today we have uh, Coach Woody Blevins with us today. Uh, Coach is the defensive coordinator at Assumption College. Um, Coach, how are you doing? I'm great. How are you? I'm doing good, Coach. Um, for, for those who don't know who you are or don't, don't have um, haven't had much interaction with you or maybe seen you in glance, uh, would you mind giving kind of like a quick background on uh, kind of how you got to Assumption? Yeah, yeah, I'll give you my coaching uh, background, the Reader's Digest version. So started out, uh, I played at Drake University in Iowa for two seasons, and I transferred to Colorado Mesa University, formerly Mesa State College, graduated from there, began coaching immediately, and then uh, we got fired. Welcome to coaching. So then I went to University of Northern Colorado, FCS School in the Big Sky, volunteered for one year, um, you know, slept on a bathroom floor, uh, Got promoted to GA the next year, full-time the year after that, uh, full-time safeties coach. Then after three years, I got promoted to special teams coordinator and safeties coach, then corners coach and safe, and, and, and uh, special teams coordinator. Then went to the University of Hawaii as a defensive analyst um, and si- assisted with the DBs in 2019, and then headed uh, one-fifth of the way across planet Earth to Worcester, Massachusetts, to Assumption University. As a defense coordinator, cornerstone. Yeah, that that is an interesting jump there from essentially west coast of the country your entire career, and then oh here let's just let's just go complete opposite. It's just and I'm hey I'm exploring the world. In the words of uh, Nick Rolovich, I got to have a Magellan mindset. Right? There you so go. I mean, I, I, I love me some Nick Rolovich. I mean, I think I think he does some great things, and I, I wish him nothing but success at Washington State. Um, I, first thing I want to get into because I mean you are a big culture guy. Um, you were a special teams coordinator for a while. That's part of the reason why I wanted to have you on. But uh, and I and we talked off screen, and there, there's it, for for those people who haven't seen it, just kind of you can uh, I think Teams Talk retweeted it out recently. Um, I know you've liked and retweeted it as well. I, I liked and retweeted it. Uh, but there's like an infamous kicking meeting video of you, and it kind of like shows culture at its finest, in my opinion. And we talked briefly about this, like. You want to talk a little bit about that video because it, it is like the first minute of your special teams meeting, and and I think you got and it shows you have everybody bought into special teams. Yeah, yeah. So we first of all we had the entire team in our special teams meeting. So as a coach, you know it's hard to engage the entire team. So I wanted to find ways, and I did it multiple ways, and none of them are my ideas. So I stole them from everybody, um, from a bunch of people, but. I went out to San Jose State and stole the, the, the kicking game, all right? We didn't refer to it as special teams. We called it the kicking game, right? Um, we stole the kicking game introduction from Freddie G, the special team coordinator at San Jose, still there, who is the absolute master of special teams. And um, without him, I wouldn't have had any success at all. So he, 
he showed me where the pitfalls and all the mines were for a uh, first year coordinator. He told me, Hey, if you don't listen, you're going to step in every single one of these mines. And uh, he was right. And I, I listened to most of them. So I was kind of steered myself clear, but what the, the deal was is in the, the way that I really got the team behind it was the offensive line was always in special teams meetings. Right. And so I went to the, the offensive line who always sat up front and I said, Guys, I need you. I need you to have my back. Like you guys are are the, the heart and soul of this team. We're gonna do something called a kicking game introduction. And all I need you to do is just go nuts every time. Like every single time. And the, the kids just and I'd always had a good relationship with them. I tried to do coaches and players, but mainly players. But I said, listen, say whatever you want to say. You have 60 seconds. Um you have 60 seconds to say whatever you want to say. I don't care what it is, as long as you end it with, it all starts with the kicking game, right? And that was what they did. And so we had all sorts of great, we had an Irish toast that was excellent. Uh, some dude uh, made up his own rap and rapped and ended with it and the kids got hyped. Um, but it was a great way to start meetings because you, you got to start meetings um, with some sort of energy. And I, I truly believe in speaking to the man first the student second and the athlete third. And that's how you have to take everything. That's how I have, have to do everything. Every practice, every meeting, every meeting starts with the man first. It starts with them as a person getting excited. Then it starts with, uh, we always do something called the juice, right? Which is a positive quote. Then the next thing we do is we go through our values every single day, no matter what. And so we always start with them as a person first. So when I do tell the kids that, that you know, I'm here to give you a better life and career than you can imagine for yourself. And how I do that and how we are going to do that is to make you and teach you how to be the best man, student, athlete you can be. So then when you say those things, they know you're all about it because that's how you do everything. Um, but that's just a little bit about how we started to build that culture. And, and I was listening to the head coaches at South Dakota State speak one year at the convention, spoke really early, weren't very many coaches there. Um, and he said that culture gets all the credit, right? But what people don't understand is how important the climate is, right? Is it, is it hot? Is it warm? A nice 85 sunny Hawaii day where everybody's in a good mood, right? It's all love. Or are you, do you have to turn the, the temperature down? And you do. You have to, you have to fiddle with the thermostat. Um, you know, like I tell my defensive coaches now, there's some days where I'll tell them, hey, you are not allowed to coach negatively. Like, no mm -hmm. yelling, no nothing. But you, you have to coach them honest. If something's wrong, you tell them, but you do it in a positive way. No negativity, no yelling, no nothing. All positive today. We've been really hard, right? Does that make sense? Yeah. So you're constantly trying to make sure you get the climate that you want as well as the culture. Yeah, if you all, I mean, that's a good point. If you always turn up to 100 degrees, it kind of makes it a hard place to sustain. Or it's safe. Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. I, I kind of equate it to like, that would be like turning it all the way down so the coaches are cold and hard. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? But then you turn it up to a nice 85 degree day and it's nice and easy, laid back, you know. Um, and that's kind of how I equate it. Hey guys, we gotta turn the, the thermostat up a little bit and make it nice and warm today, make it a nice warm day. Um, so I'm, I'm just very mindful of, of climate and always have been. No, that, that's great coach. I'm, I'm actually writing that down now. Um, yeah, I mean, now I, I, I kind of want to continue with this and um, yeah. What drove you to become a special teams coordinator? Obviously, you started your career as a safeties coach and a DBs coach and kind of transitioned to this. What drove you to pursue this? Because, I mean, you weren't – I mean, some 
special team corners or just former kickers or special teams aces? What drove you to kind of go to this direction? Well, I'll say this. Number one, um, I knew that I needed to do it because I want to be a head coach. And anybody that says that they're, oh, they're ready to be a head coach, I don't believe them until they've been a special teams coordinator. Uh, because it's 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 not necessarily one third of the game if you actually add up the, the stats of how many plays a game it is, but it's pretty close. And uh, I think that it's very important to understand what that coach is going through and how much he has on his plate. And there's no way for you to know it unless you're in it. So I knew it was important, and I actually didn't pursue it. But what I did know is that it was my job, you know, to be to help coach special teams. And so when I was a GA, full-time coach, I went to every single special teams meeting. It seems kind of weird, but not every coach on our staff went to every special teams meeting. So um, I was the only coach that from the time I got there to the time I left, it went to every meeting, special teams meeting in that building, no matter what. And so when our special teams coordinator left, Brian Cummings, who was an, who was an amazing man, amazing coach. Um, but when he left, the head coach came to my office and he was like, listen, you know, you've been in every special teams meeting, you know, I, I'm, I'm going to give you the special teams title. And I said, okay. And I, but I was, you know, and one of my mentors, um, Carl Hargrave, he always told me, if you ever get a chance to climb the ladder, climb it. So I said, absolutely coach. Yeah. <laughs> now, did I really know what I wanted to do? And said, did I have a scheme on my brain? No, and no, I didn't. But, um, I know I was going to have to work my butt off to, to talk to people and, and learn, and I did. Oh, no, I, I, I get you 100%. Cause, I mean, like we talked, I, I've been a high school defense coordinator for a couple of years. I've been a freshman head coach, other kind of titles. Part of the reason I, I wanted to become special teams coordinator is the great thing about being a special teams coordinator is you get to work with everybody on the roster. Like, yes. I get to, like, yeah. linemen get, play field goal PAT. Like, skill kids pretty much play every other special Like, you – you have an interaction at some point every day with probably about every kid. Whereas if you're just maybe a position coach, like if I'm just a wide receivers coach, I might, there's two thirds of the team I might not interact with, or at least half. Like, I mean, quarterbacks, receivers, but I may or may not interact with running backs, linemen, any defensive only guys I might not see. Like, so like it's for me, and to your point, like I do, I mean, I have had coach aspirations. And that's one thing I talk about. It's like, I have experience now working with everybody on the roster. From yeah. um, offensive alignment over here to our best skill kid over here, and kind of how to figure out how to get all those pieces to work together, and is it? And, and kind of goes back to, I mean, again, our conversation about culture. If you don't get, I mean, what are your, they're your worst kids, your least athletic kids, or your best skill kids? You have to get them to buy into what you're doing. Okay. That's right. I mean, especially at the high school level, get getting your skill kids to buy in all the time is not necessarily the easiest thing in the world. Because they don't, they don't, they don't recognize that when they watch college and pro athletics, they don't see the four and five star who's on special teams as freshman sophomore year, whether they're playing or not. They don't pay attention to that aspect. So, and I, and, I, and something I was always telling the guys was, dude, you got to be on special teams so you're in the rhythm of the game. I can't put you in at safety if you've been sitting on the sideline all game and haven't moved. I'm going to put somebody in that's warm. You know what I'm saying? Like somebody yeah. gets in tune with what's going on because they're playing, they're playing the game just like everybody else is. And so uh, that was a big rallying cry for, uh, for me, you know, and trying to get guys excited about special teams. You know? And when you get the O-line excited, it's, oh, yeah. they're the heart and soul of the team, whether you like it or don't. And it pulls everybody else along. 
Oh yeah, they they have their own little mini culture within your culture, your team. Like yeah. it's a it's it, I mean I played offensive line in high school. It is a a strange brotherhood that you always have. Whether you always got along or not is a whole different question. But you're in the yeah. trenches together. You got to trust each other. Um, and then I kind of want to move on to, I mean. What were the biggest lessons you learned? It, it could be scheme oriented, it could be culture oriented. Uh-huh. I think, I think, I mean, I off the top of my head, I could list thousands of things over two years. But Kyle, what, what did, you, what were the kind of biggest things you learned during your experience as special teams coordinator? Um, the first thing is just just uh, talking with the, you know, coaching the whole team, and you know, working with so many guys and really using being able to work on leadership and coaching people with so many people rapid fire, like your coaching skills are sharpened very quickly as a special teams coordinator because you're doing so much. So uh, the one thing that I think is really important is, um, you know, you hear a lot of coaches say, Oh, we're going to pour into our players. Oh, we're going to pour into our players. And that's not it. That is, that is not it. It's such an egocentric way to look at it like, oh, I'm the one that's going to make you good. No, 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 no. That you cannot, you can't make a player great because you put into him. It's your job to see the greatness in the kid and pull it out of him. Does that make sense? Yeah. It's your job to see the greatness in your team and this unit and the special teams unit and pull it out of them and teach them where it is inside themselves because they don't know where it is all the time. Does that make sense? Some yeah. of them are more in tune than others. And I think that was the number one lesson I learned, which is it, it's not about pouring in. It's about seeing the greatness in these kids and pouring it out. Um, the next thing, values, 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 values. Like there was a study done. It's in a book called uh, The Culture Code. It's a great book. Easy read to by Daniel Coyle. And he makes the comment that they did some sort of study with a bunch of, you know, Fortune 500 companies. And they asked all the employees, they said, all right, what are your company's values, right? And they did, they sent it all to, to all the employees. And then they asked the CEOs, what percentage of your employees know your values, your mission statement, your, you know, big idea, whatever it is, right? And they said, oh, easy, you know, probably 60%. No, nope, less than 10. So if, if your people don't know your values, you don't have values. You don't have, they don't exist. They, they are non-existent. They're, you know, the blue way in the wind. Okay. So we talked about it every day right now, every single unit meeting we have, every single meeting we have, we started with our three values, which was what I was when I was a special teams coordinator, what I am now as a defensive coordinator, discipline, effort, and attitude. Those are our three values. We call it DEA, right? And the reason we chose those, and I'm going to go on a little bit of a tangent, but I think it's important is because everybody says you can choose your effort or your attitude, right? That's why, you know, it's two things you can choose. Yeah, but what about that choice? Nobody talks about the choice. The more important thing about choosing the better attitude or your better effort, right? Because discipline is the choice between what you want most and what you want right now, right? So if you're choosing to run hard every play rather than, oh, I want to drink drink water and it's hot, then we call that great effort. If you're choosing to to listen and to be positive instead of feeling sorry for yourself and and letting your ego get away, we call that a great attitude. So that's why it's the three values. But what we do is every meeting I say, you know, I put up D, E, and A. And I say, so-and-so, what's the D stand for? You know, and they say discipline. I say, what does it mean to you? They say, it's a choice between what you want most and what you want right now, right? And I say, you know, so-and-so, what's the E stand for? And they say effort. And I say, what, is that, what does that mean to you? And 
they'll respond with life is a math problem, right? Like life is a math problem. You put in efforts, you get out results. There's no way to trick the system, right? Yeah. Um, they say life is a math problem. I say, what's added, you know, what's the, what's the third value so-and-so? And they say attitude. And I say, what does that mean to you? Attitude equals your altitude. In every meeting we start out with that, then I say to the whole group, DEA is DEA is our, and they respond with DNA. Like DEA is in our blood. It's in our DNA. It's not what we do. It's not what we talk about. DEA is our DNA. It's what makes us up. And every meeting starts exactly like that, you know, after we do the juice, okay? Um, but I think it was important because at the end of the season, when guys were hurt, we didn't have the talent that we needed to have. We were able to come together because they knew our values. And because every man who stepped on that field was of the same mindset. The DEA is how we did things. That's how we worked. That's how we did our special teams meetings. That's how we did this. That's how we did that, right? Um, so we were able to do some things, and that was a big idea why, but also... The next lesson I learned was not what you do, it's how you do it. And dude, if they know your values, guess what they're gonna do? They're gonna do it how you want them to do it. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah. So it kind of rolls into each other. Um, and something like I kind of alluded to it, another great lesson I learned with having the entire team in a meeting is you're trying to make it a back and forth, right? And you can't just sit and get, like kids can't sit and get, but that's how we do most meetings. So when I went to Oklahoma State, they do a great job of using what they call not what they call, but it's something to, from the book culture code, they call catchphrases, right? Um, so like DEA is our DNA. So I might be talking, Hey, so-and-so you got to block this dude. You got him. Hey, the L3 is doing this DEA is our, and they all respond with DNA, right? Or I'll say, you know, how do we solve problems? And the defense responds with aggression, um, ball on the ground. They say, OFB means our effing ball. Right. Um, I say smart swarm. They'll say it takes 11, right? We have a tips and overthrows. They say, got to get those. You know, that's for defense. But um, for special teams, I used to say one or more explosives, and they'd say undefeated. Because if you get one or more explosive plays on special teams in the game, you'll win the game over 90% of the time. And if you do one a game, every game, you'll be undefeated. So I'd say, I'd be talking, hey, you know, this guy's coming off this edge. The L3 is doing this. This guy's doing that. Um, One or more explosives, you know, undefeated. Everybody responds like that. The whole team, undefeated. And if they didn't do it well enough, I'd say one or more explosives, right? And they all respond undefeated. So the whole meeting is a back and forth. Every five minutes, there's a catchphrase. Every five minutes, that makes sense. Um, so it is funny. Once the kids mess those up, like if you ask a certain individual what this value is and they don't get it right, guys are like, dude, what is wrong with you, right? <laughs> so the culture is feeding itself all of a sudden. Does that make sense? Oh, yeah. And then other that's... guys hear that this dude just got chastised because he didn't know the values. You know, and then all of a sudden, it's not cool to not know the value. You know what I'm saying? Um, then, dude, a really important lesson, complimentary, not complexity. Like, people try to be complex. Mm-mm. Complimentary, not complexity. Two very different things and two very, very different results on the field. Um, and then with, with that, be bold and sound. Like, you got to be bold, right? You got to risk it to get the biscuit, but that doesn't mean you have to be unsound. Yeah. You don't. There's too many ways... There's too many ways to drop 11 guys to make something uh, to, to do it unsound and be a bad football coach. Cause you got to look those kids in the eyes and say, if you're going to do it unsound, you got to tell the kids before, if they do this, we're about to get beat. Yeah. And that's okay. You know, um, but be bold, you know, cause you're, you're trying to beat the 18 to 22 year olds, you're, but you're trying to stress out the coaches. You're not trying to beat the coaches. They're not playing. You're trying to stress them out though. Um, like we, had, we would put two punters in the, in the backfield at the same time. You know, and we free roll one way or the other. We'd shift one, and so there was one punter. Then we'd shift them and put it put them the other way. 
And so one was one kicked with both feet, one kicked with right the right foot, you know. And uh, but you know what? It allowed us to be really com- really complementary, and it looked really complex, but it was stupid simple. Right. No, um, I get that. Yeah. And the next one, sun location, dude. Sun location, sun location, sun location. We dropped two kickoff returns because I was dumb enough to not know where the sun location was, and that was on me. And those kids pretty much lost a game because I was unprepared. Now, were there other coaches um, on the staff? Yep. But I needed to be more in tune with the stadium, and I wasn't. Uh, And it's okay because I had to own it in front of the kids, and um, it's unfortunate, but it's a lesson I learned, and I will never – I already learned it, and I will not go through that again. So don't – yeah. And then fake a punt. Just fake a punt. (laughs) just, Just do it. Just, just make do a it. Fight. Try, I love just it. Don't even think about it. Don't get scared. Just fake a punt. That's great. But those are my lessons. Like those are like the, the top ones I learned. I had to throw a bunch of them out. But rapid fire, those are the, the best lessons I learned. I'm gonna I'm 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 text that to my head coach after this. Just fake a punt. That's awesome. Just fake a punt. Just fake I love it. One time. Just first three. first three games, fake one punt. I love it. That's fantastic. Better yet, second game. <laughs> Yeah, I, 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 I'll do a first game. Everybody thinks the first. They're all. They're so on pins and needles. Oh, yeah. Second game, somebody might cool down. Third game, probably perfection. Oh yeah, especially that first game too. Like everybody's like, watch this, watch that. You know they're going to try something. Like just breathe, son, breathe. That's right. Yeah. Like, hey, their antennas are up, man. Let those antennas go down a little yeah. bit. Yeah. Oh god. Um, I know. I love all that, coach. Uh, that's that's all great little tidbits. I probably just wrote down half a page of this. I'll be talking there. <laughs> Um, yeah, I, I mean, that, that's the one thing people don't realize. Like when I do, when I do a lot of these interviews and podcasts, I just, I have a pen and paper in front of me and I'm just notes. Always hey, learn. Always learn. That's... Take it from the former worst DB coach in America. You're either growing or you're dying. <laughs> so is grass, right? They're yeah. so trees. You're either growing or you're dying. That's how nature, that's how life is built. Well, that's, that's how I feel my growing. first years of DC coaches. Oh, I feel like the worst defense coordinator in the country right now. It, you probably could have made an argument with how bad we were, but next year we were much better. It, it, it helps you learn and grow. Oh, yeah. Oh, no, it overhauled my whole mentality at that point. So um, kind of moving on, um, and, and I'll, I'm just going to kind of combine these into two, and you can kind of pick it up at how you want. What is the What would you say was the most underrated part of special teams that you had to deal with or you didn't necessarily think about before you dealt with it? And then what was the most overrated part? Cause okay. I'll go most overrated real fast, then we'll go back to underrated. Overrated, scheme on returns. Dude, you got to have a dude that catches the football and can run with it. As much as I love to say, dude, we scheme this thing up, man, we schemed it up, we blocked it up, but we had babies at returner. Babies, freshmen, all freshmen. You know, we lost two All-American returners, and it was a big – I mean, they were catching punts for the first time in a game. They were – and there's no excuse, right? Um, but we weren't able to get returns going. I mean, we had like – I want to say we had 11 kickoff returns hit the ground. You know what I'm saying? And that's, you can't return the ball if the guys aren't catching the ball if they're not ready for it, right? We had guys catching the ball running out of bounds like three times. Um, so most overrated is scheme. Like, because you've got to have that guy. You've got to have a guy who can go. And that's what is most important. Then blocking is important. I wish it was the other way. And I was like, no, we'll be fine. No, we'll be fine. It, nope. You can't convince me otherwise. Um, and I've seen it, what it's like when you got to do back there, mm-hmm. and they make a lot of stuff right. So um, the next thing is uh, most uh, underrated is someone that to help you. Um, 
someone to help you. Like I had a guy named Kyle Ashby who's the GA at Northern Colorado still. Uh, he's a volunteer for me and he was, I mean, he's irreplaceable. I still did a lot of the work myself, but that man was unbelievable. He'll be a great coach um, in the future and super proud of him. And, um, big help. Uh, you said something. How did you ask the question the most? What was it again? Uh, most, uh, I, 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 I reward these guys. What was the most yeah, overrated part of special teams and most underrated part of special teams? And I, I kind of agree. I actually extremely agree with you on the help aspect because I had we had two former head coaches on our staff, and they were kind of like my little like guiding signal like this year like, well let's correct yourself here, get on that like refocus here like they were extremely tremendous helps for me this year and I couldn't agree with that statement more about the help you have for what's underrated in terms of special teams. Okay. Yeah. Um, okay, I thought I had something else for you. Nah, it's oh, you're gone. good. You're good. Hey, you're, you're, hey, again, like I said, I have a half page of notes. You're, I think you're giving me gold at this point. Yeah. Um, and then, I mean, kind of continuing from there, when scouting's a whole monster, and, and I think, I think, I think, just in general, people could talk. I mean, offense, defense, special teams. You could talk scouting and how you scout for hours, and it's there's interesting on interesting. But from a just a standard kind of basic or what was the most important um what did you look for look for in each phase of the special teams when you were scouting opponents uh, before I, I really go into that um and i think we can go round and round on that i don't know if that would serve guys as well right here but uh this is you have you seen the wolf of wall street right yes so i thought it was really unique because i'm all about systemizing right um if it's not repeatable it doesn't exist so you know what I wanted to do was create like a scouting script because what I did is there was one coach that helped me with each unit, one different coach helped me with each unit. Uh, Cause I did all the units uh, myself. And at one, I had our, my guy, Kyle, right. Our volunteer who it would go through every unit myself who would go through every unit. And then I would have one full-time coach responsible. And I told the full-time coaches, I want you to watch every play straight through. Don't rewind. Just watch it, and it should take you about, you know, 15, 20 minutes. So that I didn't want them overwhelmed because you know how it is. Coach, oh, I got to watch this, and they're not paying attention. Hey, I want you to watch it. Put on some good music, something that's, like, upbeat, get you in a good mood, and I want you to watch it through, and I want you to fill this paper out. So when I had this, this big sheet of paper that I thought through, okay, what are things that I would look for every single week, right? That we, what are the things we need to know, right? What do we have to know? What would beat our schemes no matter what? What are our weaknesses, right? Do they do those things? Um, where are the holes in our, okay, do they do those things, right? And then, like, with the people and all that. Um, but I, I had that all on one page. And so each unit had its own page with its own kind of customized questions. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. And so that way it kept the lens the same for three people but everybody saw maybe something a little different or the same. And so when we went through it, I made sure it covered kind of everything. And then as you, as you go through the season, you know, you don't fill out half the questions sometimes, right? Or you may create a new note. Does that make sense? Uh, but I did a really all encompassing sheet that I thought was, was pretty solid. And it was just from asking guys what they look for in each unit, special teams coordinators. Um, and it was excellent because Kyle, my guy, would fill out all the questions, you know, every week. And then I would do everything every week. And he, he was huge because he would get kind of the nuts and bolts out of the way 
of, yeah, 38 is the punter. Hey, 37 came in and punt was left foot once, you know, or something like that, right? 82 is the, is the main returner, but 17 came in once or twice, you know. Um, he got those kind of things. So I knew who they were. And then when I filled it out, I could do it faster. Does that make sense? Yeah. Um, and I didn't have to just do everything from scratch. And then the full-time guys didn't really have the view of that. I didn't want that from, I wanted the, the meat of the questions, right? Did they give you a jammer alert on punt or a vice alert on punt? Did they give you, um, did they stem pre-snap? Did, did they like send edge blocks? What, you know, all these different questions I had lined out, there were, some of them were yes and no. Some of them were open-ended. Um, and that would help me game plan dramatically so that I could see three different people's work through the same exact lens. And it, it covered all of our bases. Okay. Yeah. Now, I kind of want to build off that because and it's not something we've kind of talked about, but I want to move back to culture real quick and, mm-hmm. and, and your staff. And I, I like I said, obviously you're at the college level and people are getting paid to coach. Um, but at the same time, there's a big difference between doing your job and buying into your job. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a drastic difference in my opinion. I mean, so how did you get the other coaches to buy in to what you were doing Besides just, obviously, obviously they're going to fill the sheet either way. But there's a big difference between just filling out the sheet and buying in and filling out the sheet. There's a drastic difference. You know this as I do. So how did you achieve that? I mean, I think the first way is that um, I put the, I put certain people in charge that I knew that I had, a, I won't say just a good relationship with because that was only half the battle. But I think the first thing's first. Like, just like kids, people don't care what you know until they know you care, right? So guys that I knew... Uh, right, we, I, was, I was somewhat close with, I had a good relationship with, a good standing, and I knew that it would be more than just, oh, I'm doing this for special teams coordinator. I'm doing it for Woody. Does that make sense? That mm-hmm. was the first step. Um, and then the next step was uh, making it easy on them. Hey, I want you to once over. That's all I want. Once over this thing, put on happy music, right? Put on like, um, but, you know, that type of deal and put on, just do it in a good mood. And so that it wasn't painful. Does that make sense? Yeah. And so they, like, I knew one of my coaches that helped kick off return, like he didn't want to do all that. But when I made it easy on him, like that, I was like, dude, all I want is this, just 15 minutes of your time. Set your timer. If it takes you more than 15 minutes, cut it off. Like, cause to be honest, like we're coaching a game. You don't have to watch this thing for hours. Right. Like, if, if you give coaches all day, they'll take all day. Okay. So I said 15 minutes, and if, if you don't get through the plays in 15 minutes, that's fine. You're done. Just set your timer, get it done in 15 minutes. So, dude, they knew they could knock it out in 15 minutes, hang me the page, we could have a five-minute conversation about it, and we were good. So I made it easy. I made it something. And then you know what? Guys would naturally take a little bit longer than they thought. Well, oh, what will they do here? Because then all of a sudden they want to find the, the winning. And then – I would praise them for doing a good job. Hey, I appreciate you doing it, man. Gratitude, what you think about and you think about, you bring about, you know? Um, so I would thank those guys constantly, constantly, constantly. Thank you guys for effort. Hey, thank you guys for coaching them up today. I just want you to know I appreciate you, you know? And it wasn't from a place of falsity. I really appreciate it because I needed the dang help. I wasn't, you know, once you become the coordinator, you can't be in the drills coaching. You have to be making sure everything's going right. Only when you get into the season, you're coaching up scheme. That's when you, um, actually have to be in the in the thick of it but when you're doing a lot of other stuff you're kind of overseeing coaching your coaches right which is another lesson i learned was how to coach coaches um, and guess what they used to be football players they're just like the game players. 
They'll freestyle on you now. They yeah. will freestyle on you, just like the kids will. But they're just like players. You talk, you know, you can, you don't have to yell at them. You can just talk to them like men. Um, but no, yeah. that, that is how I got them to buy in. No, and you mentioned skiing there, so that's a perfect segue. And I, I like I like cheap and easy segues. Um, okay. So how much when you when you did take over a special teams coordinator, did you alter the scheme? And then from that first year to that second year, how much did you continue to alter it? Oh, um, so I mean, I really only did it one year, and then I got the job at UH. So I started in going into the spring, going into my second year, and then I took that job at UH right, like literally the week before spring ball. Um, but I, I I loved our punt. Right. And so what I did is I added on to, right. Um, I added on to, and I changed a little bit of names. So the names were a little more clear. And when I did make those changes, I made sure everybody knew why, right. Like the, the, the golden circle, Simon Sinek, everybody's, you know, how great leaders inspire action on, on YouTube. If you haven't seen it, definitely watch it. And if you've listened to me talk before, you know exactly what I'm talking about. I talk about it every time, but you got to start with the why it all starts with why. So anything I did change, I want everybody to know why. Um, punt return, right? Punt return is always kind of a mishmash. So I changed that. Um, uh, kickoff return, I did change. I didn't change the structure, but I changed the uh, the format to be a little more complimentary. And that's no slight on Coach Cummings because that dude, I mean, without him, I wouldn't have had any success. That's yeah. important. Um, I owe a lot to that man. And he's unbelievable coach. Um, he's all over Twitter. He does special team stuff, uh, Brian Cummings. I think he's like at Big Backer or something on Twitter. But he's unreal. So um, I, did, I changed it just because we didn't have the guys that we used to have. And, I, and for my personality, I need things to be systematic, right, and complementary. And the scheme that I chose was same alignments, but it was, it was a little more complementary. So um, I bought into that, and then everything else I pretty much kept the same. But yeah, punt and kickoff return were the two ones that I really, uh, and kickoff. I changed kickoff a little bit, um, but, it, and you got to go with what you know. Um, yeah. And so what you trust yourself on, and I've done a lot of learning with this specific coach, um, uh, Neil Herman, who's now at Buffalo, was especially in QC, he was at Buffalo State for a long time. Absolute stud, one of the hidden gems in special teams coaching in America. And he helped me with his with the kickoff they used, and it, it was big. You know, we gave up a kickoff turn for a touchdown, but overall, that I think that was a very positive change. Okay, now you kind of mentioned it a little bit there, and I, I will kind of continue off that as well. So you, I, I love that you're giving me easy segues. This, like, you're making my life simple, Coach. Um, <laughs> but I mean, you've mentioned a couple names already, but who who are your and it doesn't just have to be special teams either, because you've kind of mentioned those already. You could add culture in that too, because like yeah. I said, I know you're an extremely big culture guy, um, and we're both on an extreme safe page there. But who do you reach out to or talk to for special teams when you were the special teams coordinator or culture? And, and you can go to today for culture, because I know you, I know, like I said, yeah. you and your brother talk to about everybody. So, um, <laughs> so um, yeah, both special teams and culture, who do you kind of follow or reach out to well i mean one coach that i always reach out to uh well really two of them and they're on the same staff right now is joel taylor at mercer he's the defensive coordinator and mike adams the safeties coach i mean these two dudes are out of this world like out of this world coaches um they i mean they are if you've never don't know who they are they're worth a follow on twitter and to reach out to them um, but those are two dudes that changed my career especially joel 
Um, Steve Lockway over at Minnesota Moorhead is, is absolutely unbelievable with culture. He's helped me a lot more than I can, you know, express in words. But dude, when it came to special teams, I got to start with number one, man, my, my man, Freddie G at San Jose. Um, he helped me. Uh, he learned, he taught me how to do special team circuits, how teaching circuits and progressions all work together rather than just doing a whole unit at one time, but really coaching the different pieces of the play. Um, the next guy, Paul Gala at Bakersfield in California, uh, Bakersfield. I think he actually switched schools. It might be the different one um, now. But he used to be at Bakersfield. But Paul Gala taught me about the big three in every unit. So every time we do the values, right, the next thing we do, if we were doing punt, we do the punt big three, which was speed, secure, and sprint, right? Because we, we started in a huddle. So speed to the ball, secure your block, sprint your ass downfield, right? And that was what each unit had its big three. So the kids knew, and I would do the same thing with the big three. So-and-so, what's the first one? What's the second one? What's the third one? Or so-and-so, give me the big three for punt. And they'd say it, and I'd show it on board, and then we'd go to punt. And we'd start talking about punt, right? So every time we started punt, so they knew in their mind uh, what it was about. So I would break the, the drills up into um, those big three. So like when we did punt return, attack, transition, Finish. Attack like it's a block every time, every play. Transition into fade so you know what block to use. Finish with the correct block. So we would have an attack circuit. We'd have a transition circuit. We'd have a finish circuit. So that way you're teaching. It's it's a true progression, and you're really taking into consideration the process of the play and how the kids can win no matter what. Um, but that's what he taught me, and, and Paul Gala gave me that big three idea, and I ran with it. Uh, Garrett McLaughlin at, at Bates College is doing. He does the teams talk. Yeah, he does Garrett, Garrett's talk. a really good guy. I, I I've yeah, had numerous Garrett's, conversations with him. He's top shelf man. Um, Neil Herman gave me the kickoff. At, he's at Buffalo now, but he coached. Uh, he taught Garrett. All right, so Garrett's one of his understudies. Um, it's funny to see like guys <laughs> and where they came from. And Neil, did Neil, outstanding guy. Spent hours on the phone with me talking about kickoff, getting me just jacked up. Like I was ready to run down on kickoff after talking, but he's, again, one of the best hidden gems in, in coaching. Pat Cashmore at Pitt State helped me with kickoff return. Big time, big time. Um, he was Oklahoma State at the time, but I played with Pat Pat and his brother, Willie, who's the special teams coordinator at um, Drake as well. And those two dudes, just phenomenal people, phenomenal coaches. Um, then Mike Gobriel, uh, Gobi over there at Wazoo now, um, helped me kind of – I went out and I was talking with some of my buddies at Hawaii. And this is when I was still at UNC. And I got to talk to him for a little bit. And we were talking about punt, a couple ideas. And he really, like, he gave me a couple bombshells that really made some things click for that first year. Um, and he's just a total stud. And then Matt and Mike Dovenberg over San, uh, San Mateo, they were so uh, instrumental in helping me just kind of function day to day as a, a special teams coordinator. They, I mean, they're the salt of the earth. Um, best people. But man, one of the best things I did is I started a group text with Garrett because it was his first year special teams coordinator at Bates. Um, ben Bowling at Campbell. He's now the receivers coach. He was a safeties coach and, and like co-special teams coordinator that year. And then Bryce Russler at Morningside, who's a special teams coordinator. So the four of us were in a group chat and it was all our first year coordinating special teams. And I don't know what I would have done without that group chat. Like, <laughs> Because we were asking each other questions like, how do you evaluate a kicker? I don't know. I never kicked. I have no idea. What do we look like? Garrett texted one day, what am I looking for in a kicker? And I was like, I mean, did anybody got an answer? Because I sure don't. You know, like, oh, it was great. just all these different things that we we were kind of crossing that bridge together. And so guys would have an issue and be like, dude, don't do this, guys. And we were like, oh, okay. 
or I do something cool and I send them a text like, dude, look what I did today. And it's pretty creative. It worked really well. The kids loved it. We, and then, um, you know, the guys would do the same thing. So I would steal ideas from them and, uh, or like, Hey, how are you teaching kickoff return? Cause our blocks are horrible. And they say, okay, we're doing like this. Oh, I like that. We might switch our technique up a little bit. Um, but man, that open form and our ability to be vulnerable with each other, I think helped us uh, grow immensely in that year. Um, and it also taught me too, like everybody wants to be Mr. Tough guy. And like, that's not cool. That's not like being a man and being a man is being open and admitting your mistakes and correcting them and, you know, being real with yourself and laughing at yourself. Um, and it allowed me to do that um, and not put on this big, you know, you know how it is with coaches. They try to like puff out their, their chest, puff mm-hmm. out their peacock feathers and make themselves look awesome. And dude, I'm, I'm just here to help a bunch of kids, you know, have a better life and career they can imagine for themselves. And the best way to do it is to be open and joke around and, you know, um, Oh, you don't have to tell me to joke around, Coach. That is, I, 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 I was joking around with our former head coach, who's still in our building, um, and um, we were joking around, and I was like, um, I forget what term I used, but I was like, that does not describe me whatsoever. Like, you know, I am like the class clown, the fun one. I am not Mister Politically Correct. Stand and just do it. At, yeah, that's I'm. Like, our offensive coordinator told me I was funny a couple weeks ago in front of me and my quarterback's coach. I have not let him forget that. Like, I like that is that is not something you want to tell me because I will ride that high as far as I physically can. There is there is not much more better you can tell me than I am funny. That is just, That's awesome. I, I, I love laughing and making other people laugh. There's two of the best feelings in the world. So. Yeah, I, that's what I try to do with all my players, any even my students. Like, just have a good time. Like, right. yes, is my goal to teach you and educate you? Yes, but I'm also yeah. trying to give you a good experience right. because I don't want you to look back at high school and be like, "Oh, that was miserable." Like, yeah, that's not that doesn't life, kill life, anybody. Life is too short. Yeah, like yeah. I don't. That's just yeah. Um, and then kind of the last thing as we kind of wrap up here, um, what are you going to take from your time as an assistant? Special teams coordinator, uh, quality control time. As you kind of as you move into this role as defensive coordinator at Assumption, obviously it's been several months. I mean, you took the Assumption job back in what was it February, right? So obviously you've been there a while now, but still, like, what are you taking from those experiences? Um, and take and you've mentioned a little bit as we've gone, but anything you may not have hit on, what, what are you taking from the experiences to your new role as, as defensive coordinator at Assumption? Oh, I mean, everything we've talked about, I mean, are very transferable lessons, you know. Um, I mean, I can't even, I can't even begin. I mean, the main things um, is still just making sure you coach these kids as people first. And it sounds so funny, but actually doing it, actually following through, making sure these guys understand and care, you know. One thing I, I, I truly believe, too, that, will, that has helped me already uh, connect with the guys is being vulnerable from, like, they say courage is, is, uh, living with your whole heart, right? Because it comes from the Latin word "cur," which is the word for, for heart. Um, you, you gotta, it's okay. You gotta let these kids see you weak at sometimes because they can't follow someone that's perfect. Um, and I believe it's helped us. It's helped me connect with the kids, and the kids connect with me. And you know, I just had a young man text me right when we started. Uh, doesn't even play in my position group, but um, he calls me. You know, at night, says so he had a rough year, and. I was vulnerable with the group one day about something I've been going through. And um, 
I told him about it. I told the kids, and I said, I want you guys to see what it's like for a man to go through this because, unfortunately, some of you are going through as well. And uh, the kid called me that night. He was like, Coach, I've been going through this and that. And, you know, and but now he, he just, hey, could you have some time to talk today? Um, and that's when I, the kids are good. Um, and I just truly believe that the more you got to connect to these kids, it's not just about, it's, it's about being a transformational coach, not transactional. Because Andy's out. Um, transforming these young men. But, I mean, dude, you got to pull it out with the kids. Like, you, you can't put it in. You're not that cool. None of us are. You know, and there's no perfect call. There's no perfect call at all. Um, I wish there was. And Bert, Bert Watts, who was at Fresno, been, man, he's been excellent helping coach me up as a coach. Um, he was at the D.C. at Fresno. Now he's at Memphis as linebacker's coach. Um, but, I, man, I hit him up when I was in GA at UNC. I hit him up. He's at UC Davis. I, I mean, I love. I always watched all the UC Davis games every year in the season. I hit him up. And I said, hey, you know, can I buy you a beer at the convention? I don't know, the first year, you know, at UNC. Just, and he's like, oh, I like that. And then, you know, I think it kind of got to him like, oh, actually, we're in conference, you know. So he was always really polite to me. And then once I left UNC, I'm like, dude, I'm coming to watch spring ball this year. Um, or once he left UC Davis, I was still at UNC, went to Fresno. I said, I'm coming to watch spring ball. I have so many questions. And so we've been able to connect since then. And uh, man, he's been um, he's been outstanding. But he used to tell me that, dude, there's just no perfect call. You know, but what is a perfect call? Kids that know what they're doing and play hard as hell and believe in it and play convicted, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. With those values, that's the perfect call. Mm-hmm. Right? So that's that trumps that trumps scheme uh, every day of the week and twice on Sunday. <laughs> there you go, coach. Well, Coach, I, I, just, I just want to say thank you, and I appreciate you yeah. coming on and just talking a little special teams and culture with me. Um, I know mean, a lot of it was not necessarily X's and O's, but I, I think this stuff's a lot more – I mean, I've done three of these special teams podcasts now at, at this point, and two of the three have been more about preparation off the field, connecting mm-hmm. um, than anything. And, and, and that's kind of – I mean, the big thing of my YouTube channel and my podcasts are just – connecting with others, building relationships, and kind of learning. Um, so, again, I want to thank you. Um, yeah. Say well, hi- thank you for having me on. I, I'm, I'm just really grateful that you thought of me and and uh, wanted to ask me any questions. And I'm glad we didn't talk about defense because I, I, I struggle uh, giving guys advice when I haven't called it yet. So. Oh, you're, you're good. And, and I, I didn't want to put that pressure on you. And I, I will say also I needed to get the better of the two Blevins brothers. I've already had the other one. and <laughs> That's right. I can't wait to I'll hear that. That'll, that'll be hilarious. So, um, yeah, all right, and let, I'm just going to wrap this up real quick, Coach, and then we'll chit-chat once I say this. So, um, that was another episode of the uh, Kick and Cover podcast. Um, again, uh, if you want to get a hold of uh, Coach Blevins, his contact information in terms of his uh, Twitter uh, handle will be in the bio. Um, please don't hesitate to reach out to him. Him and his brother um, are all just great coaches and good people. Um, And again, thank you for listening to another episode of the uh, Kick and Cover podcast.